Today's New Testament lesson is from the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians opens with an expression of a cosmic coming together of all of creation because of God's work that is being accomplished through Jesus Christ. And then in the fourth chapter where our New Testament lesson begins today, there is a shift in the emphasis. And there's a movement from that cosmic vista to a much more personal direction and tone. What the author is doing here at the beginning of the fourth chapter is to help the church know how in very practical ways they are to love one another. And so let us listen for God's word first from the fourth chapter, verses one through seven, and then I'll continue with the 25th verse of chapter four, continuing through the second verse of chapter five. <clears throat> I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Dimming the Lights in Church. Dimming the lights in church. For nine years, Barbara Brown Taylor served as the rector and associate rector at a large downtown church in Atlanta. And at that time then, she was called to be the rector of Grace Calvary Episcopal Church in Clarksville, Georgia. 
Barbara had always wanted to serve as the rector in a parish of her own. It was a dream of hers. And so when she and her husband, Ed, arrived at this small historic parish that was located in rural North Georgia, a church that had a reputation for taking risks, she writes that it was love at first sight. Five years later, after leading services one morning, she went to her car, and one of the things that had happened to her was that all of a sudden, she had developed this terrible stinging in her eyes, and she had no idea what was wrong. Had her mascara gone bad? Had she developed a midlife allergy to boxwood? She didn't know. But on that Sunday, she went to her car and her eyes were running, and she decided that rather than mopping all away her tears that were flowing out of her eyes with a tissue, that she would just sit there and let the tears flow, hoping that they would wash away the itch that wouldn't go away. What she didn't expect was that as she sat there and she stopped fighting the tears. She began sobbing uncontrollably. She was absolutely upended by these great waves of grief that came over her and caught her totally unguarded. Barbara Brown Taylor has written a memoir entitled Leaving Church. And in that book, she writes about her spiritual journey that brought her to the place of those tears and then beyond that place of tears. And in that book, she writes, I don't believe that I am the only person who suffers from too much sun in church. She says, I had always been troubled as a priest by people who stopped coming to church when their lives seemed to be breaking apart. Separation and divorce were the most common explanations for their absences. But other things were mentioned. Addiction, a job loss, depression, mental illness. One person whose husband had recently died told her that as soon as she walked into the sanctuary and sat down, she began sobbing. And so she just decided she wouldn't go to church anymore. Another person who had been recently diagnosed with AIDS told her that he was too frightened and too angry to be able to sing the hymns. Barbara Brown Taylor goes on to write that sometimes when these folks' moons had filled out a little bit, they came back to church. Sometimes they did not. But she said sometimes 
It was also the people who seemed to have no big crises in their lives that were also suffering from this full sun effect in church. She said sometimes she could see that while it's very enjoyable to come to church and be with other people for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, there were also some strained smiles. And it took a lot of effort to put one's best face forward that others could see. Sometimes she said, I could just see written above someone's head. Don't believe what you're seeing right now. This is just a shard of who I really am. So here is my question for each of you. How does Barbara Brown Taylor's experience mirror your own experience? If it doesn't mirror it right now in this very moment, is there some way that it mirrors it at some other point in your life? Today we've read from the letter to the Ephesians. The writer of that letter, Paul, or perhaps a careful student of his, perhaps had looked out upon the faces of First Church Ephesus. Perhaps he had heard something expressed from their wounded souls. Perhaps he was even in touch with his own wounded soul. And he knew that sometimes church, the community that is the church, can be the hardest place to publicly display one's sores, one's scars, one's scabs. And so in the writings here in Ephesians, he sets out to begin creating a different kind of environment. An environment where the lights are dimmed just a bit so that the Holy Spirit can flow in and do the healing work of God. What he writes is this, put away falsehood, speak the truth to your neighbors, all of you. Do not ignore your anger. It's my belief that among the hardest work that a church is called to do is to create a safe space where people can bring the whole of who they are to God. And to say that it's the hardest, among the hardest work that a church is called to do, that is really saying something in our day and time. Because the church has a lot of hard work to do. 
We've acknowledged it in our call to worship this morning. Our world is a place where hatred and death and war and hunger, tyranny and oppression, these are all realities in our world. And those of us who are professed followers of Jesus Christ are called to go boldly out into the world and to take that life-giving light of God out so that God's work can be done there. Just what we've witnessed this past week as the parishioners at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church on Martha's Vineyard have done, as they have linked arms with and pooled resources with the members of these other small churches on Martha's Vineyard to extend hospitality to fifthly, mostly Venezuelans who landed unexpectedly on their doorstep. It's what Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church is doing right now as you support Nadia Pajan and her three children as they have arrived from Charleston, I mean, from Afghanistan into Charleston. I mean, uh, Bruce McAdams sends out that list I get that email, and what I see is about five minutes, ten minutes after he sends out the email, every slot is filled. You have been taking her to and from her job at the Istanbul Shish Kebab restaurant every day, to the podiatrist, to the dentist, meeting all of these needs. Uh, Chip Seadale is the rector at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church at Martha's, on Martha's Vineyard. And he was asked by a reporter, well, why are you all doing this? And he had this deeply theological answer for them. That's what churches do. That's what he said. That's what churches do. Yes, it's what churches do. It's what you do, Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church do with joy and without fanfare. And that's one of the reasons that I've come to love you over the past four years. Yes, followers of Jesus Christ are called to go out into the world and to confront tyranny and oppression and hunger and war and hatred and death. But if we do that and we neglect to attend to the private pain that is inside of us, then that can serve to staunch the flow of the Holy Spirit whose very nature is to flow into the deep, airless places and to work its healing. And so we are called to create that environment of which the author of Ephesians writes, where we put away the falsehood of strained smiles and where we bear witness to pain, our own pain and the pain of our neighbors by being present, by listening. 
And so that is why there is a ministry called Stephen Ministry in so many churches around the world and here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church since 1998. It is a ministry where when someone most needs it, there is someone there who will show up and sit with you and listen. So who is it who needs a Stephen minister? Perhaps you are dealing with an illness or a disability. Perhaps you are a caregiver for an aging parent or a spouse. Perhaps you've just had a baby. Or you are struggling with infertility. Perhaps you've just moved into the area and you are lonely. Perhaps you're going through a divorce or a separation. Perhaps you're struggling with your role as a parent, a step-parent, a grandparent. Perhaps someone you love has died. Maybe that happened just a few weeks ago, or maybe it happened years ago, but the grief is still very real for you. And if you find yourself in any of these situations, I believe that you would benefit from a relationship with a Stephen minister. Well, who are these Stephen ministers? They're members of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church who not only have open and caring hearts, but they are those who have received 50 hours of training and offering emotional and spiritual care. They're committed to spending time with you usually an hour each week at a place where you mutually decide to meet for as long as necessary. That might take place just two or three or four weeks, or it might be much longer than that. And they are committed for the, to this being a completely confidential relationship. So how does one begin to connect with a Stephen minister? The first step is to speak with one of the pastors, and then we will share that information with Donna Thigpen, whom, who has uh, offered our wonderful children's message today. She's the referrals coordinator as a Stephen leader for our group. And then she'll call you and talk with you a little bit. And uh, that will help her make the connection between you and a particular Stephen minister. We read in Ephesians, 
put away falsehood. Let us all speak the truth. Don't ignore your anger. Stephen Ministry is here. Stephen Ministry is here, not just for this congregation, but for this community. Stephen Ministry is here so that every single person will know. In our every cell of our bodies, our minds, and our spirits, that we are deeply loved. We are deeply, deeply loved by our gracious and merciful God. Amen.